The Lord be with you. And also with you. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. That very day, the first day of the week, two of Jesus' disciples were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus. And they were conversing about all the things that had occurred. And it happened that while they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing as you walk along? They stopped, looking downcast. One of them named Cleopas said to him in reply, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know of the things that have taken place there in these days? And he replied to them, what sort of things? They said to him, the things that happened to Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. How our chief priests and rulers both handed him over to a sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it is now the third day since this took place. Some women from our group, however, have astounded us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came back and reported that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who announced that he was alive. Then some of those with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women had described, but him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are! How slow of heart to believe all that the prophet spoke! Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them what referred to him in all the scriptures. As they approached the village to which they were going, he gave the impression that he was going on farther. But they urged him, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And it happened that while he was with them at table, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. With that, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he spoke to us on the way and opened the scriptures to us? So they set out at once and returned to Jerusalem, where they found gathered together the eleven and those with them who were saying, The Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then the two recounted what had taken place on the way and how he was made known to them in the breaking of bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we don't really know where Emmaus is today. We can't put it on a map. But it doesn't really matter. They could have been going anywhere. The point is that these two were going away from Jerusalem. Especially in Luke's gospel, everything is oriented towards Jerusalem. A week prior, Jesus had entered into the holy city. He had died on Friday. And that very morning, he had risen from the dead. And the two of them are going away from Jerusalem. And we learn very quickly why that is. They were deeply saddened and disappointed. They were discouraged because they thought that Jesus was dead. Where are you headed right now? 
We probably have our good days, right? And then our not so good days. When all of this started, we did what we had to do. We adjusted and we did it with a positive attitude. But as these days and weeks drag on and there is no clear end in sight, as the economy continues to dive, as jobs are being lost, as celebrations and gatherings are being canceled and maybe even loved ones are getting sick, it's very easy for the sadness and the discouragement and the disappointment and the, the weariness and exhaustion, the loneliness, maybe even a sense of futility, for that all to begin to settle into our hearts. Where are you right now? What's happening with you? Maybe you're not exactly where you want to be emotionally, Spiritually, you find yourself sort of moving away, headed in the wrong direction. Well, we have a great story this morning that deeply encourages us. Because just like Jesus did for these two disciples, he does for us. And he does three things. Number one, he pulls up. He pulls up alongside the two of them and asks them what they're talking about. What's on your mind? Jesus sincerely wants to know what's on our minds. And this is the great thing about our Lord, that as we're going along, even if we're going in the wrong direction, he just pulls up right alongside of us and says, what's happening with you? What's going on? He intercepts us so that hopefully what happened with these two is what's going to happen with us. We're going to stop. Stop. Stop right where we are. Stand still for a moment and And tell him what's going on with you. This is a critical, important first step. Well, I love what Cleopas says. Almost a bit cynical, right? Are you the only guy in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's been happening? Right? What, have you been living under a rock or something? Well, actually, there was this giant stone that was rolled over my tomb for a few days. But Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus is so patient with us. In fact, he's even, I think, a bit playful. He, he kind of plays dumb with them. What? I don't know, what things? But it's because he wants to draw them out. He wants to hear what we have to say. Tell me more. And so they begin to explain what they know. And they know a lot of facts about what's taken place. They know that Jesus is a mighty prophet. They had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, but he had been put to death. And they'd heard rumors of an empty tomb. They know the facts, some of the facts, but they don't get it. They don't see what's happening. And so second, Jesus opens up. He opens up the scriptures to them and he begins to explain what they can't see. He explains that it is actually through his death he has redeemed Israel and the whole world. That he's more than a prophet and in fact his mightiest deed is that he left that empty tomb behind him. He opens up the scriptures and he begins to explain to them that it is through his suffering that he is now entering into his glory. But that's what we struggle to understand too. Suffering. We try to make sense of suffering. What what is its purpose? But the paradox is this. Actually, suffering makes sense of everything. Let me repeat that. 
we try to make sense of suffering, but actually suffering makes sense of everything. Why? Because you can't have love without suffering and sacrifice. And it's love that makes sense of everything. But the way of love is painful. Think about it for a moment. Those who truly love you, you know that they really love you, not because they do whatever you want and always please you. Oh, no, no. It's, it's the lengths to which they will go. The sacrifices that they will make. That's what shows you the depth of their love. It's the friend who will drop everything and do anything for you, and you don't know what you'd do without that friend. It's the parent, up late into the night, worried sick because of your shenanigans, and yet never gives up on you, right? Never abandons you despite how much you might have rebelled or how far you wandered away. It's the spouse who could have exacted revenge and retribution and punishment, but instead lets go and generously forgives despite the the deep wound you inflicted. That's the suffering and the sacrifice that makes sense of everything because it's true love. And as we suffer, friends, and as we struggle, it is the way into glory with Jesus because it's the way and the opportunity that we can truly love. But we need Jesus to open the scriptures to us, to explain this to us so that we understand that, so that we can see it first in him and then in us. So he pulls up and then he opens up and finally he stays up. It must have started clicking with these two because they take another important step. Jesus appears like he's just going to keep on going and walking. And they say to him, stay with us, for it's evening and, and the day is almost over. It's getting dark outside. And we need you to stay with us. And so he does. Jesus stays up with them into the night. And he stays up with us. It's getting dark outside, friends. These are scary and confusing times, but Jesus stays up with us into the darkness of the night. But here's the irony. It's in the darkness of the night that the lights come on. They begin to see when Jesus breaks the bread. So make sure you get this. This is really important. These are the two main things that we do every time we worship together at every Eucharist. And this is why we do them. This is how Jesus stays up with us into the darkness of the night. First, he, he opens the scriptures and he explains things to us. And then he breaks the bread. And even though we can't receive communion right now, what we can do, what you are doing, is that you see the sacrifice. You see in this action, the breaking of bread and the pouring of the wine, you see the breaking of Jesus, the breaking of his body and the pouring out of his blood. That's the suffering and the sacrifice that makes sense of everything. 
It is the sacrifice, and in that sacrifice, that we have great hope. That we see we are redeemed. We see the depth of his love for us. That we see the glory of God. And what happens? Well, the lights go on, right? Jesus breaks the bread, and and they see him. They recognize him. They know who he is, and their hearts are burning within them, and they take the final and important step of getting up. They rise up immediately, and they go back to Jerusalem. They're going the right way again. This morning, friends, Jesus pulls up alongside of you. Stop where you're going. Tell him what's going on with you. And then he opens up the scriptures to you. And he explains that even in the midst of the suffering and the struggle, this is the way towards glory. This is the way of love. And then he stays up with you into the darkness of this night. And we've got to learn to pray like these two disciples. Lord, stay with me. It's dark outside and I'm scared and I need you. And he does. He never abandons us. And now, in just a moment, we will see the sacrifice. In the bread broken and in the wine poured out. And here's the best part. We can turn around. We can get going in the right direction again. There's still time for us to head back to Jerusalem. Back to where we should be. Back to where you want to be.